Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lines of My Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and with me is Liam. Hello, Liam. You are so enthusiastic for being, what is it, 5.57 a.m. your time. That is what the uh, the advantage of chemicals are, and mostly just caffeine. I don't I don't, I don't, do anything else. Just a lot of caffeine, Liam. <laughs> actually, actually, my blood is 30% DMT. <laughs> <laughs> at, this, at this point... Um, if, if you took my blood, I think there would be like crystals of instant coffee floating within it. Mm, oh, you got, <laughs> oh yeah. Instant coffee. I remember when I was on birthright, sorry. And, uh, I, I had, they didn't, I was in Israel obviously. Uh, and they don't have any goddamn, you know, American style drip coffee. So I was smearing instant coffee packets on my gums. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a weird thing that when you move uh, to certain countries abroad, that uh, if you're used to the uh, the normal like ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna wake up uh, and start my nice gallon of coffee in my like coffee like my, my souvenir mug machine. I got at Niagara Falls. Yeah, yeah. That, that is that is one thing that I made sure to bring when I moved because uh, like all the coffee cups here are tiny. Uh, and I brought three, um, uh, like what we would consider normal American coffee cups, because they are three times the size. Uh, like I, I don't feel like sh- shelling out the money for like a drip coffee machine, because uh, you know I live alone. I'm not going to drink a liter of coffee every morning. Not with that attitude. <laughs> um, but like I do want to drink, you know, what amounts to be three cups of coffee uh, that you would get at the corner cafe here. Um, so, uh, uh, Liam, how you doing, bud? I'm good, dude. I'm good. I, uh, yeah, I got engaged. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Congratulations. This is, I think that's the, the first time in the history of the pod that someone got engaged in the middle of a series. Yeah, I, I assume my, uh, hopefully my marriage, uh, does better than, uh, you told Lucky here. Uh, uh, well, I mean, oh. if your, if your, uh, marriage ever becomes comparable to breaking into Auschwitz, we have other problems. Yeah, that's that's not wrong, man. That's 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 a good point. I uh, I would love for my for my beloved to not a be sent to a death death camp or b be comparable to a death camp to my people. I mean, she is Catholic, so you know. But. Yeah, I mean, so the options are still open. <laughs> Who knows, man? <laughs> Corinne, please don't listen to this episode. Eh, it nothing. <laughs> way, don't worry about it. <laughs> So I was listening to uh, my fiance's podcast and, uh, you know, he was really hoping I was not the human equivalent of Auschwitz. So I think we should probably call this one off. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, that's why the good Lord of a couples counseling together. We can get through anything. And I definitely believe you're not the human equivalent of Auschwitz. N- n- neither of us believe that. So, you know, it's good. Oh. Uh, so 
Uh, we are on part three of uh, the Vetold Pilecki saga. Um, and I will say that this one does not have Auschwitz in it. However, Ooh. you probably all know this series is an ending with like a happy ending, right? Like not, every, not, everybody knows not, this. No, this he's going to get got and we're going to have some opinions. We're, we're known for our uh, uh, opinions. Uh, I mean, it, it, we're talking about Poland in World War Two. Nothing about this ends well. No. Um, so when we left you last time, Warsaw was about to explode. Well, explode again. It already exploded two other times at this point for different reasons. And yeah, uh, we will talk about the, the Warsaw ghetto uprising at some point. This is a different Warsaw uprising. So I hope I didn't get anybody's hopes up. <laughs> I, I don't want to say scoreboard, but I am uh, uh, proud of my people for holding out for, what, 28 days with... Uh, it, it's hard to operate two machine guns at once with both your middle fingers in the air at the same time. <laughs> it, it was it was pretty. It, it's a crazy story, and I think it's not really told all that well uh, in most places that try to tell no, it. No, I don't. I don't believe that either. I'll, I'll buy that. Not that I'm going to be like. Obviously, we'll tell it the best, but you know, we will. Well, we'll yeah, we will. <laughs> we will. Now, uh, th- this. Other Warsaw uprising. This occurred as the Nazis' overall lot in the war was what I guess you could call a terminal decline since about 1944. I mean, you could really say it before then, um, but this is when the like regular people in Poland were really starting to notice, like, wow, the Nazis are Nazis are down bad. Um, so, like, their backs have been broken in the east. Soviet forces were... Nazis are down horrendous. Abel Broad's <laughs> not responding to DMs. Things are going poorly on the eastern front here. Uh, like the, their back had been broken in the east. Soviet forces were rapidly steamrolling through, uh, like, the, the, the remnants of the Barbarossa force. Before long, the Red Army was in eastern Poland itself, and they are expected to reach the banks of the Vistula River and encircle Warsaw itself pretty much any day by the end of July. Meanwhile, the rest of the Allies had stormed ashore in Normandy and were beating back the Nazis in France. While much of the Polish Home Army was really hoping on a uh, rapid Western Allied advance that would force the Nazis to pull much of their forces back to face them and pull them out of Poland, that just hadn't happened. Without that, the Poles were facing uh, you know, a garrison of tens of thousands of battle-hardened German soldiers with better weapons, better training, and much more equipment. Uh, because you know, at this point, the, the Poles have a fair amount of guns, but it's mostly shit that they're able to steal and smuggle. They're not, you know, the, the Polish home army in Warsaw isn't exactly a professional army, you know? Uh, just, just uh, I don't know. What's a a Polish name? Justin Rosniak and friends. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that that left them effectively with two options. Lay low until the Soviets showed up, kick the Nazis out, and then surrender the home army to the Soviet army. This option was incredibly unpopular for obvious reasons. By this point, Stalin's plans for, you know, a very much not independent Poland were very well well known. Yeah. And even the communists and socialists that had shacked up with the home army for this were not excited about that prospect. You know, um, they, they well, we'll talk a little bit more about the people who end up becoming the, the, the Soviet proxy forces made up of Poles. But there was, you know, 
there there was the the home army the home army was effectively apolitical they were not uh, explicitly anything uh, right, anybody so it's, could it's, show up and join it just say, like, please get out of our fucking country thanks yeah yeah it was like anti-double ac- occupation forces there was communists and socialists there was uh, a couple anarchists there were people that were a shy uh, uh uh like hair's length away from effectively being neo-nazis it was sure. when those situations were like when look we're gonna put all nazis. this aside until later you know yeah, yeah yeah i suppose they would just be nazis then yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> Now, the Allies, and by that I mean the U.S. and Britain, had been on board for a large-scale Polish insurrection within occupied Poland, well, within the German portion of occupied Poland, for quite some time. Uh, And the government in exile had been trying to get their support for it for years because they they, they only could get support from the U.S. and Britain. Everybody knew the Soviets were not really on board with this. Right, right, right. Now, this is despite the fact that at the same time, the Soviets were calling for a full Poland-wide uprising on Radio Moscow during their advance towards Warsaw at the same time. Please make our jobs easier for 10 minutes right until we crush you underfoot like a bug. Well, I mean, the thing is, is it was effectively propaganda, right? Like, obviously, there wasn't going to be a... They didn't support a wide-scale Poland-wide insurrection. They controlled a fair amount of Poland. (laughs) Like... (laughs) <laughs> they didn't want that in their backyard, um, and you know they only the Soviets were only going to support proxy forces which they could control. I mean, the U.S. and the U.K. generally do the same thing. It's, otherwise, it gets messy, as recent history would suggest. Um, mm. Now, mm. Uh, now the only support that the U.S. and Britain were able to muster for the Home Army were some supply drops and uh, you know, a crisp high five or two. Uh, however, just when things were beginning to look completely hopeless for the Poles, a flood of German soldiers fleeing the east swept through Poland. The Germans were a haggard mess. There's no hiding anymore how bad they were. They were like barely dressed in uniforms that still fit on their back. They were like leaving the wounded on the side of the road. They were like frostbitten, skinny thirsty they were running for their lives from the red army Holding like this signs was say things going poorly <laughs> yeah. uh like there was no hiding anymore about how bad off they were like this seemed to be the kind of demoralizing show that absolutely crippled the local nazi administrative state within poland mm-hmm. uh soldiers dressed in rags and some of them not even with boots marched through the streets of Warsaw as Polish civilians went out to heckle and throw things at them. Like they were singing Polish national songs, hucking shit out of the windows. Like previously, this ends with you like against a wall. Right. You know, uh, or, you know, maybe not immediately, but you'll be sent to a camp or, or right. everybody in your entire apartment would get swept up in a Gestapo raid for, for this kind of outright anti-Nazi behavior. Right. This time they just didn't like. They're like we we can't enforce shit anymore. Um, right. And it's because at the same time this was happening, Warsaw was effectively an open war zone. Uh, resistance ambushes and acts of sabotage had become so common that Nazis did not leave their barracks. Like the, and w- and when they went outside, and remember this is a place that had been uh, occupied for fucking years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, like. And all of the Nazi garrisons and like police stations had been fortified. And if anybody left, they had to go in like a full squad. 
like a dozen mm-hmm. people armed like they were going on a combat mission just to go across Warsaw, you know? Um, good. good. No, Nazis should be afraid to leave their doors. And then when they do leave their doors, they get their legs blown off and then fed to them. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the German uh, delicacy of self-leg. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's a bizarre world word for it. If you say it fast enough, it sounds like one of those uh, incredibly long German compound words they enjoy so much. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying, Joe. <laughs> now, after this hilarious parade of Nazi misery, all remaining order within the occupied, uh, not German occupied Poland broke down. Shops ran by Nazis and their sympathizers, which were mostly uh, German, uh, ethnic Germans, uh, ethnic German Poles, stuff like that, because they were obviously benefiting from this arrangement. They all closed down and everybody realized, like, we got to get the fuck out of here. Like, the, the Reich in Poland is dead. We Socialism is coming. Go. We're about to be publicly owned. <laughs> um, and they were getting on any kind of uh, motorized anything they could get the fuck out of there faster so a lot of people were just walking um, my personal favorite was SS men were getting drunk in broad daylight and crying on the streets until like Polish resistance members came up and beat them to death <laughs> <laughs> I mean of course there was the, the normal uh, wide scale looting uh, and you know normally you'd expect the looting to come from the polls like they're like aha authorities are gone let's go get like food and shit but uh instead it was german soldiers they're just packing every bit mm. of wealth they could and and driving back towards germany sure. however uh hans frank if you remember that asshole he was still in charge and he had been ordered by hitler to create fortress warsaw um oh wow was, yeah there was also an ongoing German counteroffensive that was desperately attempting to break into the uh, the break the Soviet advance towards Warsaw. And for the resistance inside the city, little to no information to go off of, and they couldn't really uh, make concrete plans for an uprising yet because there's too many unknown variables. Like, what if the Germans win in in their counteroffensive against the Soviets? Like, our our uprising will be fucking pointless. Right, like, right, right. Uh, what if the Soviets are just steamrolling them? Then we don't really have to do anything because then it would be a waste. You know, are, are the Americans coming? Are the British coming? What should we do? Nobody's talking to them. Uh, that's yeah. awful. That's that's good. Yeah, I mean, if they if they launched you know a, uh, an up a successful uprising after a German victory, it was a suicide mission. They're all dead. Right. You know, however, if they launch at the same time as the Soviets broke the German counteroffensive, it could work. They would find themselves in a very short two-front war, right? Like, or two-front battle. Uh, they, had, right. would have, they would have nowhere safe to uh, re- retreat from. And the Soviets certainly were talking uh, to them. No, because uh, they have plans for you. Yeah, and they were not... They no longer recognized the home army, but we'll talk about oh, that. That's, that's quick. <laughs> that yeah. was quick. Uh, on the advice of his intelligence chief, General Komorowski cited that uh, the that they decided to call off the uprising until they got more information, which, you know, for an intelligence chief, uh, normally when I bring those up on the show, it's from due to a, a colossal fuck up. Um, this time, an oxymoron, if you will. Yeah, exactly. This time, not so much. Now, from where the resistance was sitting, the battle had been at best between the Red Army and the Nazis fought to a standstill on the outskirts of Warsaw. And they would, if they could, 
bide their time until they knew that the outcome was certain. Like they, they, they couldn't. Oh, sure. There's no point in putting yeah. your guys out there if the Soviets are going to clean it up. Now, there is a small problem, though. Oh, this boy. is a good idea. But Hans Franks, the, the local Nazi administrator, wasn't an idiot, which normally it helps if the local occupation authority is dumb as hell. But he wasn't. He realized with the ongoing um, counteroffensive, the battle will eventually come to Warsaw, no matter what happens. Also, he needs to build this fortress, Warsaw. Um, so there's also, uh, Franks knew about the home army. Everybody knew about the fucking home army. So he needed oh, to sure. find a way to defang them so they don't have like this enemy support directly in Warsaw. Right. So he ordered the conscription of all Polish men between the ages of 17 and 65. Okay, yeah. Now this was, this wasn't for military service. Um, uh, Pilecki uh, wasn't sure if this was for mass deportation, which it was, probably was. And okay. at this point, if the Germans remember, this is 44. At this point, if the Germans right. put you in a train, you are going to be murdered. And right. Pilecki knows that better than anyone in the Polish Home Army. Yeah, the guy, guy got out of Auschwitz. He, yeah. He, he might have an idea. Now, there was also the possibility that they were going to be used as forced labor to uh, build this fortress Warsaw. Either way, Pilecki was pretty goddamn sure at all. <laughs> yeah, Pilecki was pretty sure no matter if he was digging a trench or getting in a train, this all ended it with him back in Auschwitz, right? Um, not to mention, this was done to sap the strength of the home army. Like, 17 to 65 is virtually every thing. man. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's virtually the entire thing. Yeah. So, Komorowski knew that he couldn't let his men be snatched up for forced labor in a date with a fucking unventilated box in the countryside. So he ordered a general mobilization for all of Warsaw's resistance under his command. Unfortunately, of course, this was a snap decision. They don't really have a lot of plans. So they're just like, oh, now they have to be reacting. Yeah. The, the home army was going to attempt to secure Warsaw. Oh, boy. Because now they have no choice. Yeah. Now, it's weird how my orders just say march or die, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, your entire company go change that light bulb <laughs> now the home army was attempting to uh like had been attempting to work on this uprising plan for a while like they even had a name for it because uh, in my opinion you need to come up with a cool operation name and then work your way back nobody cares like <laughs> you know totally agree with you yep they like call it they call it operation tempest solid name could also Good be name. like a, a dad butt rock band name you know yeah like yeah, hey, I'm, I'm, Hey, bro, you want to go see Operation Tempest at the State Fair? Oh, yeah, dude. But it wasn't a solid plan. Uh, like, they knew they had decided their, their local rallying points. They had some weapons caches, but they didn't have all that many. Uh, they, it, was, it was all at the last minute because they, their hand they got charged. What's the ideal? Now, after mobilization was ordered, commanders uh, began getting all of their men into position. And on August 1st, 44, the second Warsaw Uprising began. However, because Frank's orders had kind of forced their hand, like I said, for Operation Tempest, they also had to launch it before full mobilization yeah, and before preparations had been done. Like They were really hoping on having more guns. Um, they didn't, not everybody would have a gun. There's, there's a quite uh, a few I Poles running through the, the streets of knives. Yeah. Um, 
but also they they had to launch it before you know the the cons- the, the mass conscription date so that meant not everybody was able to to get to their previous established positions which were all which were all picked because they were near their like objectives like they they knew they needed to capture like the the hard points right like they had to capture garrisons gestapo stations administrative buildings shit like that i mean of course there's guns inside the police stations and the, and the, and the garrisons but like they also need to cut the head off of the command by capturing administrative buildings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they couldn't get in position, so and the and because they couldn't have guns at home, that would be too suspicious. Those positions were where the guns were stashed. So at five p.m., uh, uh, like uh, when they were ordered to just launch, there's they were just randomly throughout the city. Um, so they just had to pick the nearest German position and as- assault it. Uh, sometimes it was only just a random checkpoint, uh, like a German-owned building. Uh, and because they didn't get to their previous established positions, they couldn't pick up the rifles in a lot of cases or submachine guns or pistols. So it, like one checkpoint got assaulted by screaming Polish people armed with rocks and a plank of wood with a nail in it. <laughs> Did it work? That's my, that's my yes. question. Yes, it should. All right. All right. Yeah, shit. If it works and it's stupid, it's not stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because of course they could like you get brained with a plank of wood with a nail in it. Oh, like, how embarrassing, dude! <laughs> so much for your fucking master race. My 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 guy is laying there half open on the sidewalk. Yeah, it's a lot like you know uh, the former Japanese prime minister being murdered with a homemade T-shirt cannon. Like, <laughs> this is not a place of honor. <laughs> too, too bad. <laughs> Imagine that, like the the Nazi state putting all this time and effort to train uh, Fortress like, Warsaw, and you yeah. get beamed with a fucking Flintstones oh, weapon, <laughs> Vyacheslav from the top rope. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, after after the, you shove a nail through, through home dude's forehead, you grab his weapon and his ammo and scamper back off into the city. Sure, you know? problem solved. You know, honestly, what uh, so where V told Pilecki was in the middle of all of this. So he uh, at, found himself with a group of local teenagers, as they as they were noted in the volunteer. They did not say resistance member. They said, "quote local Kids. teenagers." <laughs> <laughs> and they they waited in an alleyway until a German car passed by, and they like hucked something in front of it, like uh, like a a big fucking obstacle the car ran into it and none of these guys had guns so like they had just ran up on the car like reached them through the window pulled them out and stomped their fucking heads in until they were dead so they just mario got mario carded them they got they they got blue shelled (laughs) you you tied to a blue shell uh uh, it's so whimsical when nazis die it's it's like this scene from fucking the first hostile film where he uh he blackmails the kids with candy to beat the mafia men to death. Yeah. <laughs> Just like drug out of their cars. <laughs> and like the craziest part is, is this was kind of working throughout the city because it, to the Germans, there was no rhyme or reason or pattern or plan to what was going on. Just like, huh, suddenly all of our men are getting murdered with Flintstone weapons. This is weird. <laughs> and not to mention they were so worried about the Soviets on the other side of the river that like, they weren't really sure what to do. Uh, like the, they but, seemed to be being attacked by a mob rather than a well-laid military plan from the local resistance. But either way, by the end of the first day of the uprising, 
the home army was in control of the center of Warsaw, as well as a few other parts of the city. Things were going pretty well. Now, this a lot of a lot of that uh, had to do with that chaos, right? Like right. the Germans had no idea how to react. Uh, their rapid success meant that the Germans still had no idea like where to go next. Um, it, it, there was still the obvious problem of not having enough firepower. So that right. meant that the Germans, once they realized, like, hey, we're getting clapped on every street corner here by fucking angry kids with a fistful of, like, uh, like a sock Nails. full of marbles or whatever. <laughs> uh, like, they just retreat back into their hardened positions and, like, start reorganizing. The local commander didn't even bother to report this as a major incident uh, and left it to the local SS garrison to handle. Like, they're like, there's no need to make all of us look bad politically by saying like, Hey, there's a fucking uprising. We need reinforcements. Let's just look, let the local anti-partisan forces, uh, you know, read death squad, uh, handle us. Right. However, by five 30 that evening, things had gotten bad enough where he had to pick up the uh, phone and call a, a, a little guy named Heinrich Himmler. Uh, and be like, boss, we got a fucking problem. <laughs> you would not believe how many of our guys are being brained with party, with party <laughs> rubble weapons. <laughs> Oh, oh, my, my poor boy. Uh, what's a dumb German name? Franz. He he didn't even see the Fred Flintstone gun coming. <laughs> There's a, they have fucking spears. We're not sure what's happening. Uh, <laughs> you, you guys know sobbing into the microphone as, as Franz and friends are brutally murdered by the by the Polish home army. You guys know the crank gun from Futurama. <laughs> we get murdered with a Scooty Puff Jr. up in this bitch, <laughs> and, and, and then as as their technicals are driving the way, they do that of the Flintstone car. Yeah, I'm tired of getting run down by Flintstone cars. Fuck the Nazis. That's funny. Now Himmler did the most Himmler thing possible. He called the commander of the Sachsenhausen concentration camp. Where? Oh God, dude. The Home Army's old resistance leader, Stefan Rowecki, was being held and ordered him to be immediately murdered on the spot. Then he called Hitler. Um, after a short talk with Hitler, Himmler ordered the city uh, to be destroyed entirely and said, quote, every citizen of Warsaw is to be killed, including men, women, and children. What a fucking dick. I can't believe I, I have to say that, but yeah, Himmler's a dick. Yeah, uh, this fucking hot take, dude. So yeah. you think this this Himmler guy might a be a tad egg. problematic? <laughs> Have the decency to let yourself be killed as opposed to taking a suicide capsule, you fucking pussy. I will say on on the scale of Nazis who look like absolute fucking losers, Himmler on the top, no competition. Look at that fucking nerd. Look at him. What are those stupid little fucking glasses? Normal glasses existed back then. You didn't have to dress like a silent film. No, you gotta you gotta look like a Brooklyn hipster, man. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've I've seen polycules made out of entirely dudes that look like this. Undercuts, tiny circular glasses, no bottom, like no chin whatsoever. Nope. Now uh, a a mood of optimism flooded through Warsaw as rumors began to spread that the Soviets were almost there. Uh, that which meant, of course, the Nazis were going to be on the run soon. People hung Polish flags from the windows and like civilians ran out and like partied with the resistance in the street. Everybody assumed that this shit was almost over. Now, Pilecki wasn't doing any of that. Uh, instead, he was doing what I assume is something he's been plotting and doing since he was in Auschwitz. And that is hunting German snipers through the pitch darkness, stalking them on rooftops and then stabbing <laughs> them to death one by one. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I've seen that scene from Inglorious Bastards and it rules. <laughs> 
Yeah, he could have used a gun. He wanted to use a knife. Yeah, that's fine. By day three. Silence are too loud. <laughs> it's the, the old Polish silencer, but that means stab to By death. Which I mean dagger. <laughs> By day three of the uprising, he was leading an assault in the local post office when German tanks appeared for the first time, and they were marching civilians in front of them to act as human shields. The Germans... Yeah, the, I'm starting to think these Germans might not be on the up and up, Liam. Uh, they uh, just poured fire into the, the home army. And the home army did not return fire because they'd end up shooting civilians. Uh, but they did manage to like pretty easily outrun the tanks uh, because they knew Warsaw like the back of their fucking hands. Oh, did the tiger break down? Wow. Yeah, it, just make the, the shitty German tank uh, turn a little bit too hard and it will catch on fire and kill the crew. Oh, it's flipped. What a surprise. <laughs> it just cartwheeling well, the through the air. Now it's a pillbox. <laughs> it's just going to cartwheel through the air like a PS3 glitch. <laughs> <laughs> but the resistance still, even with tanks in the city, the resistance was still managing to capture things. But you know, the optimism didn't last a super long time, uh, That which tends to happen when you're besieged in a city surrounded by Nazis. Also when you're Polish, just in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a vibe. Um, the, 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 the Nazis cut off the city's water supply um so you know because up at this point the municipal water system still worked which i have to say off topic here that's incredibly impressive that is like, very impressive how many times has the city been fucking blown up and you're still turning on your tap and like ah hot and cold running water i've had apartments in the united states where that was even a possibility like like oh the wind blew a little too hard my my water is brown now cool meanwhile in a literal war zone ah yeah. water for my tea <laughs> right. Um, this led to resistance members digging wells into the side of the fucking road. What? Like, tr- and trying to tap <laughs> into pipes. Yeah. And, like, the water was described as a, quote, milky brown. Um, mm, that's tasty. It's not good, but people drink it because they. You do what you gotta do. I, I gotta say, if, I, if anybody ever describes almost anything that I'm drinking as a milky brown, I'm out. Um, yeah, especially- no, I'm not drinking milky brown. Sorry. Even if you described my coffee as milky brown, I would be off put that you described it in such a way. But I mean, because of you know all of these other problems, they were also running low on other things like food and ammunition, and having to rely completely on what they grabbed from dead Nazis. Which I, I support this kind of uh, requisition. Yeah, it's not immoral to loot dead Nazis. No, it's just it you becomes a, a problem right there at the Geneva Convention. If if there's Nazis, you get a pass. Yeah, no grave robbing parentheses. You can grave rob a Nazi. Um, but the problem is it's, it's not the most sustainable logistical system. You eventually oh. will run out of dead Nazis. Um, uh, good problem to have, though. Yeah, yeah. The crop is good. Um, this meant, you know, in a lot of cases... Oh, if you, Franz doesn't have a face anymore. If, if you had a gun, you only had a couple bullets or you sure. didn't have a gun. And, you know, the, the Germans weren't exactly uh, known for their restraint when it came to putting down uprisings. Sure. So thousands of people are already dead in the city. At least 2,000 resistance fighters, and we don't know how many civilians. A fucking lot. Plecky was fighting Nazis room by room, throwing grenades back and forth when Nazi planes appeared over the head and began just carpet bombing what remained of the not carpet bombed portion of Warsaw. More tanks appeared. Uh, and, you know, he... Uh, more tanks than he had ever seen before, which is impressive when you realize that he fought the invasion. Um, and they just ran over the barricades that the home army had put in the middle of the streets to try to ward them off. Um, so everything was pretty 
pretty quickly collapsing here. Now, they did get around one thing, which was like the the garrison uh, buildings that the Germans and the SS had. Um, the SS were held up in a hardened, uh, I think it was like a barracks. As um, reinforced, the windows had like sandbags, like you, you weren't going to be able to come in. They had firing ports and shit in the walls. So they simply put a fuckload of dynamite on the ground floor and leveled the entire building, which this might surprise you, worked really well. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, it seemed like whenever the resistance did something to raise the morale, the Nazis did something equally terrible to drop it right back down. Well, I because, can't believe they would do that. Yeah, yeah, they're Nazis. And this is when the home army learned that, uh, quite honestly, some of the most evil motherfuckers in all of Nazi Germany were coming to their backyard. An SS detachment under the command of Eric Julius Eberhard von dem Bach-Zaletsky. Now, okay, that just sounds like a fucking uh, mega villain. Yeah. Uh, he was a former member of the fucking Reichstag, and he, uh, would, who quickly became, I will say, one of the most enthusiastic leaders of a death squad in all of Nazi Germany. He entered the city with his detachment and under with the strict orders, like we already talked about, to literally kill everybody. Like right. th- those were his orders. Uh, Bok Zaletsky was the commander of the local so-called uh, was the commander of the local uh, this detachment that was called security warfare, which was uh, one of the m- several different words that the Nazis for anti-partisan operations. And this is effectively. Uh, it will not really even effectively is an ISATS group and unit like it's a death squad unit and he is put in charge of the entire counteroffensive of the entire city he's put in charge of murdering warsaw and while box zaletsky is 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 himself one of the most evil men to literally ever curse the earth under his command was arguably someone who was the most evil oscar fucking dialvanger he was if he's not the most evil man to ever walk the earth. Oh, he's fucking up there, he's bud. He's fucking close. Um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about him in a second. Um, uh, now, around this time, the so-called Warsaw Airlift started. A large-scale allied supply drop mission to feed and arm the resistance within the city to keep it going. Bullets, food, water, uh, all of it was down to nothing. So, you know, this... You know, when you think of an allied airlift effort, you think of like more modern things, right? Um, because like there are some nations, specifically the United States and uh, NATO forces, that can make just an insane logistic system appear seemingly overnight. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. Uh, this is 1944. They can't do that. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> it was a miserable fucking failure in every way possible. Um, now, s- some of this reason was because it was effectively sabotaged by the Soviets. Um, I mean, not all of it is their fault. It would have gone a lot better if they didn't actively attempt to make the mission fail. Oh, we're just going to stop combat operations. Don't worry about why we're doing this. Oh, we'll get to that. Uh, now, first starters, the Soviets dropped their... Because like the Soviets had to take part, right? They were part of the Allies. They had to put some kind of token effort um, on this because at this point... Um, uh, the, the they're not entertaining Stalin that much. They're not like, no, you can literally take whatever you want. You know, they're not there yet. So Stalin is still playing his part in the Allies, but he dropped his supplies onto Warsaw without parachutes. That meant everything just hit the ground like a fucking meteor and exploded into uselessness and destroyed on impact. Um, it, it I mean, it, we're not sure if that happened on purpose to make sure nothing uh, useful dropped. Um, but we do know that the U.S. at Britain did use parachutes because, of course, they did. 
Like, why would you not? Eighty percent of our supplies, us being the United States, drop into German occupied uh, territory anyway, though. Yeah, yeah, we missed entirely because, like, we we were attempting, like, the 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 Allies are attempting to drop supplies and a very small target right and really nothing is that accurate in this day and age right like you're just right, flying sure. things wildly into the air sure sure now you can combine this with what the the rest of the allies were doing um and they like i said s- seemingly throwing supplies into the air uh wildly without aiming them uh about half of the allied supplies fell in the german hands about 20% slammed uselessly into buildings or missed a target so badly the resistance couldn't recover them. 20% of everything was completely lost. Um, it is easier to chalk all of this up to incompetence rather than malice, um, but it wasn't for a lack of trying. Uh, remember, Warsaw is deep in Nazi territory, so these are long flying missions to try to drop right. supplies on them. You know, The, the easiest place to, to launch these missions would be from Soviet airfields. Uh, because they'd be much closer. So the Soviets simply did not allow their air for airfields to be used for the supply drop. So that that's the part that that is I cannot chalk up to incompetence. That's pure malice. Yeah, exactly. But that distance that the the Allied planes had to fly uh, was so f- so long that they couldn't carry a ton of supplies. Uh, they had to carry less so they wouldn't run out of gas. And when they got near Warsaw, right. they faced a massive curtain of anti aircraft fire. Um, yeah, if they managed to survive all of this, they would then fling their already small payload randomly toward the direction of uh, Warsaw, or maybe even just I don't know the name of some la- uh, the last name of some guy they can't pronounce at all, and then try to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, this loss this resulted in one aircraft being lost for every ton of supplies dropped. Oh Jesus, fuck. which is catastrophic. It is bad for everybody, yeah, other than the bad. Nazis, I guess. They came out on top of this one. However, this almost this meant that. For every bit of advance the resistance made, they would then have to stop, wait, and hope that they would receive another drop of ammo, which most of the time they didn't. They would just watch the boxes fly off into the distance and never get any of them. So in the downtime, even you know weeks into the resistance, they had to just farm dead Nazis for loot. <laughs> yeah. Of course, this made continued forward uh, offensive pressure impossible because they never had enough ammo to fight through the now prepared Nazi positions. And as the Germans retook parts of the city they'd lost, Plucky was forced to fight you know, uh, increasingly desperate rearguard actions throughout rooms of houses and kitchens and shit he would have to escape through. Right. And he was long since out of ammo. He f- was flinging grenades at, at Germans to make them run. And then if ever after like a grenade, he'd then throw a rock that they would also believe was a grenade so he could take off running. Fair enough. Fair play. Fair play. <laughs> At one point, his detachment was running through uh, like a warren of blown up buildings. They got cornered. They realized they have nowhere to go. This is it. This is the way like uh, Vitold Plecky's finally going to get shot. And then as the Nazis close in, ah, pocket's hand. <laughs> pocket's hand. The door flings open and they're rescued by the local rail yard union armed to the yeah. teeth with pry bars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they just proceed to start braining the shit out of Nazis with pry bars. Like, Hell yeah, man. <laughs> I'd like to believe they show up wearing hard hats and high-vis vests too. <laughs> here's your safety briefing it's just absolutely splitting Franz's face in half 
with the pride. Oh, you love to see it. Fuck some Nazis, man. <laughs> now, there's several parts of Plucky's memos that reference what he called Russian mercenaries. Um, and if anybody's going to read his book, um, uh, that requires some explanation. Uh, because you know his book is you know primary source for the war, for the Warsaw Uprising, so sure. you know, people assume that there were Russian mercenaries. Like we're not talking about World War II era Wagner Group here. Like um, from researching Himmler's deployment orders, because I'm a insufferable nerd, I had to figure out what yeah. he was talking about. I the best explanation I could occur, that I could find for this, and the one that makes the most amount of sense is that they were collaborators of the so-called Kaminsky Brigade. Um. Because the Germans weren't using mercenaries. They just fucking conscript you. Right. Um, but there was the Kaminsky Brigade, which is an SS brigade made up of ethnic Russians that was deployed to Warsaw. And they were deployed there because they're noted for their fucking like, absolute well, yeah, ruthlessness so. and cruelty yeah. that uh, was right. on and par with like the Durlwanger Brigade. Um, and that's who they were teamed up with, was Oscar Durlwanger's attachment. Together, they were under the command of Heinz Reinfarth, who would commit some of the worst violence that would be seen outside of a death camp while in Warsaw. And Dialwanger's uh, uh, violence in particular was so depraved and terrible. I'm legitimately on the fence of ever doing an episode about him because I think it's just too much. Like uh, it's psychotic child killer and molester and rapist. Yes. Someone so disgusting. The Nazis did not want to work with him. Like, yeah, but they did anyway. So there you go. Yeah. When pressed far enough, like, yeah, we're right. We'll, we'll employ the, the, the serial child murderer rapist. It's fine. Uh, now collectively, these people were responsible for tens of thousands of murders or more throughout the city because it's thought that at least 40,000 people at this point were dead. And they were there, these detachments were literally going door to door and murdering everyone they found. And as a small side note here, because you know we've been we've been having a chuckle. Uh, I have to bring that down a bit because this is the lines of my donkeys podcast. Um, Reinfarth might be one of the worst Nazi war criminals to never face any repercussions for his actions. People like Mengele don't really count to me because they spent the rest of their life running with like Israeli fucking murder teams on his on his heels. I don't I, really count. I, I will say one thing: the Israeli state gets real right is executing all Nazis. Might be the only thing we get right. You'll never hear any complaints from me about how Might they the clapped Barbie. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, so you can run, but then what we're gonna do, right, is we're gonna stalk you for months, and then we're gonna uh, kidnap you from the bus stop, and then we're gonna uh, drug you and dress you as a patient and bring you back to Jerusalem and put you in a bulletproof box and give you what we're gonna call a fair trial, but as a and then we're going to hang you. All right, cool. Let's do this. I think my favorite part of that story, which we will absolutely cover at some point, is uh, Barbie got burnt by his own son uh, because his son was hitting on another German that lived there who's not a Nazi, uh, yeah. like a, 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 a member of a German family who's not a Nazi. He's like, by the way, my dad is Klaus Barbie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, ooh, uh, how'd that work out for you? Get kidnapped, get kidnapped at a commercial ill jet. Um, but, you know, Mengele spent the rest of his life running. I consider, like, obviously that's not justice, but I don't, I consider him suffering some repercussions, right? Reinfarth didn't do any of that. He stayed right in Germany and eventually ended up in politics, becoming the first mayor of Westerland and then at parliament rep- representing Schleswig Holstein until 1967, receiving a general's retirement pension when he retired. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, we should have never rebuilt Germany. 
We should we should have just split it all the way down into all of like the the tiny yeah, things that used to be German. Occupied, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say, uh, you you were the Greater German Reich. You're now sixty five different countries. Yeah, suck it. You're all princely states again. <laughs> and if we reunify, and if you re- try to reunify, we'll turn you into whatever the equivalent of we'll turn them into glasses. <laughs> should have what should we should what we should have done what we should have done what we should have done. Is, no. uh, you know what? Cut it. Nope. Nope. I'm not going to make that joke. I'll make that joke to you <laughs> off air. I know no. they surrendered. Use the atom bomb on them anyway. That was the original plan uh, to, to nuke, uh, nuke Germany, but they surrendered before it was, uh, before it was available. <laughs> Fucking quitters. Uh, now, uh, these mass murders were publicly blamed on the resistance, e- either directly or the Nazis, telling Polish people they wouldn't have to kill so many of them if the resistance simply surrendered. So within a month of fighting uh, in the city, there is no optimistic civilian support anymore. It was everybody was either dead, fleeing, tired, sick, whatever, or you know hiding in a basement, fearing even seeing a member of the resistance because that would get them a visit from the local death squad. Right, and not to sugarcoat things here, but the resistance also did this shit. Um, there was a lot of elements of the resistance that like maybe civilians ran out and joined them. They weren't exactly doing background checks to join the home army. And mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of units of the resistance that, you know, were freedom fighters. And then there were some, that are literally fucking bandits uh, right. taking advantage of a horrible situation, which is a hundred percent always happens. Like you, if you oh, look yeah. at, if you look at any rebel group or resistance group, even ones that are weirdly popular with younger people today on the internet, they're effectively drug gangs. Which ones do you mean are effect are very popular with? Mm, which one do you mean, Joe? You can say it. I know Can't which imagine. one you mean. Can't say imagine. It. Say mm. it, coward. <laughs> now, a lot of these people were reacting to uh, freedom fighters, Joe. <laughs> a, a lot of these guys were uh, 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 reacting. Uh, the civilians, I mean, of course, uh, like the reason why they were reacting this way is because of Nazi terror. Um, but. Uh, there was some parts of the resistance that once things got tough, supplies ran low, they got hungry, whatever, they turned on the populace too. So depending on where you were in the city, the person at your front door might be a, a gang of home army dudes or fucking SS. And there was functionally no difference depending on who it was. Uh, other times, more you know, of the, the extreme far right wing groups of the resistance uses a breakdown of law, order, and, and even command at this point to specifically target the the remaining Warsaw Jewish population. Sometimes this ended, say, in the case of Vitold's uh, detachment and him shooting at other resistance members to protect civilians. So, like, not exactly a recipe for military success in the city. You know, like, there's literally parts of the resistance who are at war with each other. You know, not to mention that there's some who are outright fucking bandits preying on civilians. And on the other side of that is Oscar fucking dialing. You're like, there's there's no winning here. Rock in a hard place, one might say. Yeah. No matter how hard the resistance fought, there was little they could do to hold back the tide of the German war machine. And while they were on the ropes, they were still much stronger than the home army. Vitold's men were trapped in a building's basements for like days at a time as the city was destroyed around them uh, because the, the Nazis decided even using like literal psychiatric patients uh, like some of the dudes from Dalvanger's detachment were like, because that's not even like a euphemism. That was literally where they came from. They were released from prison, many of them serving uh, cases for like multiple murders and rapes. Uh, a lot of them were considered like psychotic, even by Nazi standards. Like they were probably, if they didn't get 
put press into the SS, they would have been like T Ford. They were so like considered so so uh, crazy by them. Yeah, like so they get put into an SS uniform. Like they finally decided that they didn't even want to lose them fighting street to street. So they just started carpet bombing entire city blocks rather than fight house to house, right? And while all this was going on, the Home Army was still assuming in their last shred of optimism that the Red Army was going to show up anytime and help them. Arguments aside, a Soviet division being thrown in the fray definitely would have sent the German forces uh, that were still fighting in the city to uh, to to run, uh, mostly because like the Dalvanger Brigade and people like it were not soldiers. They didn't fight. They murdered. They didn't. F- they, they weren't used to fighting people that shot back. Uh, like specifically, uh, like later on before Dalvanger gets killed in captivity, um, his forces Nobody were knows how. Yeah, beaten to death by members of the Home Army, if I remember correctly. Lost the loss of the French. Nobody knows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the like the, they they were noted for like being in ter- terrible soldiers. They don't fight; they murder. And the, at the first sign of like actual resistance, they generally ran away. Um, so the, the, you know, Soviet assistance absolutely would work. And the U.S. and the U uh, and the U.K. were screaming at Stalin to send home army assistance as they were literally with an eye shot of of Warsaw. Now, eventually, Stalin caved, but not in the way that you think. He eventually authorized. 1,600 Polish soldiers from his own Polish army detachments to cross the border and join the battle. However, uh, um, they could only carry the weapons in their hand, like their small personal small arms. They'd have no support whatsoever from the rest of the Red Army. And when you think about it, you're Stalin, which I hope you're not. This plan makes sense. <laughs> like, it's in the Soviet Union's best interest that they let the Nazis kill the Home Army. Let the like let the Home Army weaken the Nazis, and then just walk in and over, over whatever's left and mop up, you know? Now, I will say that there's still a fair amount of argument over the, if this was Stalin's actual plan. There's no argument that in August, Stalin directly ordered the army to stop its advance at the same time that the uprising started, which being a member of the Allied command, of course, he knew about. There's no doubting that. There's also the opinion of some people, namely David Glantz, who I should point out is a member of the Russian Federation Academy of Natural Sciences, that the Red Army simply ran out of its own supply line and had to stop in order to strengthen it. I don't consider him a good source in this matter because, and this might surprise you, the modern day Russian Federation does not accept any of these criticisms. Um, now, there is some legitimacy that the first Belarusian front, which was the unit parked outside of Warsaw, was pretty beaten up. However, it's also you didn't have to you wouldn't have had to use the entire force. The Nazis didn't actually have that many men in Warsaw at this point. Like there's things they could have done. And the the reason the reason why you can kind of land the dial on they did this on purpose is because other things that they did, not just their their lack of movement. For instance, Stalin uh, ordered his forces to do everything they could uh, from their side to stop any flow of supplies overland into the city. This included elements of the home army, which existed within the parts of Poland under Soviet occupation. Outstanding. Yeah. Like, he ordered them to be detained and disarmed rather than allowing them to move towards the city to join the fight, despite the fact that previous to this, he supported a Polish wide uprising. Mm. I mean, verbally, not, not in reality. Right. Right. It, do- it doesn't help the claim that the Soviets are powerless in this entire thing because a month before the uprising uh, started, the Soviets set up what was called the Polish Committee of National Liberation to compete with the previously accepted Polish government in exile, which did have some claim to legitimacy as, as if anybody did because they were the pre-war government. Right. 
This group would become the government the Soviets recognize as a legitimate one when they took over Poland. So do with that information uh, what you will. Um, but as sure suspicious as all happen at the same time. After 54 days of fighting, however, the commander of the resistance, Komorowski, met with uh, Dambok Zaletsky to agree to terms of surrender by the end of September. He had managed to negotiate a term that gave the resistance soldiers proper POW status rather than being insurgents, which would end with them going to Auschwitz. Right. But it also sold the civilians of the city out to what was called relocation. You know what that means. I do. I've, I've heard that one before. And Komorowski should have known exactly what the fuck that meant because there's one guy within his organization that uncovered a lot of information about what uh, relocation means. Uh, and he went for it anyway. Cool. In the end, cool. Cool. I love, yeah. this, I love the species. In the end, 130,000 people died in Warsaw fighting, almost all of whom are killed by German death squads. This included all but 5,000 of Warsaw's remaining Jewish population that had been left from the last Warsaw uprising and liquidation. Around 60,000 of the half million or so Warsaw civilians that were sent to the camp system were sent directly to death camps. Now, what's honestly the most surprising about any of this is the Germans actually upheld their end of the deal regarding POW status for the home army. Like that, that part, I was like, this is where, uh, this is where Plucky dies, right? But no, that, that's not what happens. The POWs get sent to Southern Bavaria. Uh, well, like at a camp so nice that it's chosen for Red Cross visits. Huh. Yeah. That's kind of a mind fuck. All right. Yeah. It's, it's fucking whiplash here. And that's where Pilecki would spend the rest of the war following Allied uh, advances over the radio until Warsaw finally fell to the Soviets on January 17th. After fighting tooth and nail against the Nazis, the resistance within Poland announced their disillusion at the end of World War II, and the government in exile no longer existed because Poland was Soviet now. Uh, they couldn't go back. Any elements of the resistance that stood against Soviet occupation were immediately disregarded by any kind of uh, greater Polish organization, and all support was cut off from them as Roosevelt and Churchill chucked Poland under the bus. How however, none of that meant Witold Plecki was done fighting. Because remember, in the beginning of all of this, he was going to fight the Soviets too. Um, and by two, I mean, again, like he wanted Poland to be free, as a lot of people did. Even as the Germans surrendered on May 7th, 1945, and his POW camp was liberated, he was still kind of working on what was going to happen next. A Polish general who had been fighting uh, in Italy at the end of the war, Wiatislaw Anders, decided that his war wasn't quite over yet, and he needed soldiers to fight to free Poland because now it's simply occupied again. Many of his soldiers just went home. They'd seen enough. The war had... like. Uh, what World War II did to Poland is, I think, the closest thing to an apocalypse a living person has ever seen. So, like, everybody's like, dude, I'm fucking done. I'm going home. Like, the what you consider an essential organized structure immediately collapsed. Um, Anders ran into Plecki, um, and they kind of got along great because apparently Plecki has never seen enough fucking awful things for one lifetime. And everybody knew who Vitold Plecki was. To be completely like everybody knew who he was, especially within the Polish home army structure, whether that be for the uprising or for his work in Auschwitz, like he was effectively a Polish hero. Um, so he wanted Pilecki to set up an intelligence network, which is generally what he was best at anyway, uh, within Soviet occupied Poland and work towards uh, effectively a new kind of resistance. Now, this time, unfortunately, Pilecki did not have a whole lot of luck. 
all of his friends from before the war, all the people that he worked with before were either out of the game, exiled or dead. Um, like they, because, you know, if you survive the Gestapo and now you're like trying to spy on the NKVD, you're, you're eventually going to lose that dice roll. Uh, a lot of these guys end up in a vast fucking network of NKVD prisons, which effectively just moved right in and took over what the Gestapo was doing. Um, most of them decided, like, we got to get the fuck out of here. Like, the, like we, we, can't, we can't do this because now they have no support at all. Like, they have no gov- friendly governments, nothing. So he didn't have a network. Uh, VTOL didn't, and, you know, it didn't take him long from being there to realize that, like, violent resistance against this is pointless. Like, they're 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 too in charge. They have too much support. We can't do what we did against the Nazis here. Though other surviving elements of the Home Army clearly didn't have the same ideas, and that first year of Soviet occupation uh, was full of raids of, uh, on NKVD targets as well as attacks on the Soviet-backed government. These became known as somewhat badass as the cursed soldiers. Now, there's probably a lot of people who was like, "Whoa, he just called these people badass." All right, admittedly, these guys fucking suck. Now, surviving in small detachments <laughs> of the finish, woods. Let me finish. Yeah, let, let me finish. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here. So the cursed soldiers. Uh, these guys survived in really small detachments in the fucking Polish forests. And there was some like uh, sometimes you hear them called like the Forest Brothers and like Lithuania and stuff like that. Same kind of idea. Um, they would be in really really small groups. Um, raiding small targets, and they they all knew they wouldn't win in a million years. Hence the the title of cursed soldiers, right? When do you think this stopped? Uh, nineteen eighty one. Okay, not quite. The, these guys, these detachments, were on fighting Soviet occupation until nineteen sixty five. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, my like. So imagine you're fighting a resistance movement from World War Two into the space race. Yeah. <laughs> now I need to be since we brought him up. I do have to be clear. A lot of these groups were fucking disgusting. Yeah, Some of, of them were outright Nazis. Um, oh, one of these groups, the National Armed Forces, assassinated Polish Jews within the Home Army. Um, Thanks, assholes. Yeah, they did a lot of fucked up things. Uh, it turns out. Liam, this might surprise you. Bear with me. When you invade a country a bunch of times, you unleash some pretty awful parts of society. You like, sure do. Yeah. O- almost like you did this to yourself. There probably wouldn't be armed groups of Nazis stalking through the Polish forest if you didn't fucking invade Poland. <laughs> like <laughs> Now, for Vitold, his hidden identity was compromised pretty quick. Uh, mm-hmm. While he was back in Poland, and Anders heard about that, and like you need to get the fuck out of Poland, and he refused. His friend sold him out under interrogation in 1947. Which, I mean, admittedly, when you know the things that happened during these interrogations, you can hardly mm-hmm. blame them. I think we've said countless times in this show that the second they sit down like a pair of pliers in front of me, I will sell up no, my own safe. fucking mother. Like, I, I am a, I am not going to be tortured. No, thank you. <laughs> Um, and he was snatched up by the secret police and, and uh, at a planned resistance meeting that got, got snitched on. He was mm-hmm. interrogated and tortured over 150 times over the next several months, undergoing what was called plucking the goose, oh. which, which meant tearing off everything that could be torn off that wouldn't kill him immediately. Reportedly, he never actually broke. Not a single time. He knew. He knew Jesus, fuck. He, I guess the what is said is that he knew the Soviets knew some things about him, so those are the only thing that he would talk about. Like he wouldn't sell out people that he knew, but he would tell them that he worked for General Anders, which everybody fucking knew. Right. 
or that he had fought the Soviets during the invasion. Like people were aware of that. Like he didn't give them anything that they didn't know. Right. This is all done under the command of Colonel Roman Romkowski. The secret police uh, would later admit after the Polish October Revolution of 1956, his department made up all the crimes they tortured and executed people for. Every single political crime they uh, they shot someone for, he made up. Now, finally, in 1948, Plucky was charged with treason, planning assassination, and being an agent of, quote, foreign imperialism, which I assume is wanting Poland. his country to not be occupied. Um, and he was sentenced to death. After news of this got out, uh, like the international response is pretty good, I guess. I mean, for as much as a condemnation can go, which is effectively useless. Um, the Polish government received waves of letters from Auschwitz survivors uh, begging them to spare his life. They were ignored. There was even members of the Soviet-backed Polish government uh, who started a petition to save his life because he was a national hero, and they were all fired. On May 25th, 1948, Vitold Plecki was executed via gunshot wound to the back of the head by state executor Pator Simulanski, and his body was dumped in an unmarked grave that has never been found as of 2022. His last known words, Vitold Plecki refused to beg for mercy from the court and instead said, quote, I tried to live my life in such a fashion that so in my last hour, I'd rather be happy than fearful. I find this happiness in knowing that the fight was worth it. Now, unfortunately, since the time, uh, since uh, Vitold Plecki's death, his story has been championed by some of the worst people who tend to fall into the camp that tend to proudly call themselves anti-communist rather than actually just calling themselves Nazis. In America and Poland, these people tend to be very, very far right. And they happen to be the same people who are engaged in various serious historical revisionism about Holocaust within Poland and rehabilitation of some of the worst characters of the resistance era that are happening currently. However, it's clear to me that Witold Plecki would fucking hate these people. He wasn't a neo-Nazi. He was not a hard-right nationalist. And he wasn't an anti-Semite. He hated the Soviets as much as he hated the Nazis because they both invaded his country. Politics had little to do with it. Plucky's story is instead one of strong moral and religious conviction that ended with him being fucked over by every single person he trusted as Poland was torn apart and sold out for geopolitical imperial powers who cared more about cementing their sphere of influences than any real national liberation, democracy, socialism, or any basic principle of solidarity. All these fucking people suck and the world is better that they're dead. That's the series. I don't know how else to end it. So, Liam, we do this thing called Question from the Legion on the show. You know what it is, but if you're listening and you don't, you can donate to the show, just a dollar, and you can join whatever long thread of stuff on the Patreon or ask me via Discord a question, and we will answer it on the show. Today's question from the Legion is, what is the dumbest thing you've done at school? I'm going to do with the parentheses here, like, that also you're not admitting to crimes. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, I I have a few. They're they're harmless. One is I we were given. I don't know if you guys had this, but uh, the week before prom, they did the like don't drive drunk PSA. Only it was like three hours at an assembly outside on the baseball field, and they landed a helicopter. They landed the medevac helicopter to like simulate what happens when you drive drunk, and I was so enraged that that's how they were spending like taxpayer fucking money rather than actually educating us uh that i just got up and left and got in a shit ton of trouble and <laughs> the other one was i like walked to my parents house uh, and i was just like i like i'm not like i'm just out like i was like two weeks away from graduating i was like nah like i don't what are they gonna do fucking expel me the other one and it's 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 funny only in hindsight 
uh, was we were talking about the possibility of arming teachers. And I grew up in central Pennsylvania. So guns are, you know, were they talking ingrained. about doing that while you were in school? No, um, hypothetically, I don't like they, this district to my knowledge has never implemented it. We just became famous because the district was willing to strip search children, uh, oh. uh to, in case oh, they good. were holding drugs or something. Yeah. And, uh, and then they got Our international listeners into- are probably fucking horrified right now. Yeah, like they got whenever sued I, into oblivion. Whenever I talk about like wild shit that happens in like the American like school police state situation, they're like, "Oh yeah, what the like fuck how, is going how do you on?" People even, right, exactly. Uh, but the other one was I. Uh, they were talking, and like someone I went to school with was like, well, "We should just give the teachers guns." Blah 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 blah. And I said the sentence, "Quote: Do you want to know?" How long it would take to empty an AR-15 in here? Not that long. And that's when you get Close suspended. Quote. I did not. <laughs> oh, I was okay. I was sent to the office, and they called my dad. Who, for those of you who don't know, my dad's a lawyer, but he's he's a retired lawyer. He did social security, bankruptcy, disability, and estate law. So nothing glamorous, nothing glitzy. He was not some you know high profile attorney, but he was really good at. And a trait of his I have inherited is knowing essentially just enough to be able to get away with it. Uh, and my dad pointed out, it was clearly a hypothetical. He didn't own a gun. I didn't own any guns. Uh, and the school was, was making a big fuss out of nothing. Uh, and I, uh, yeah, I got off scot-free and I pointed out, like I wasn't saying I was going to empty an AR in here. I was saying that somebody could, and I was also pointing out, like, we keep the fucking doors unlocked at this school. Like, if somebody wanted to, like, stand by the back door with a shotgun and kill 20 of us, they could. Like, Yeah, I mean, yeah, arming arming teachers is not going to fucking fix anything. That, that's, like, the the most American way to solve a problem ever is not to look at any root issues, but just no. slap a gun on it. Like, slap guns on top, yeah. What, okay, hear me out, Liam. But what if the school was also a gun? Like, I, right? I like, kind of like the idea of giving teachers guns, but only if we also give all the students guns. Oh God! Uh, I kind of like the idea of mutually assured destruction in like a ninth grade English class. Yeah, it's really hard to find guns that fit the kindergartners. Um, <laughs> oh, daringers, tiny little daringers. Um, I'm trying to remember what the dumbest thing I did in school was. Um, I think like the the this is straight up without a without a like a, a, a an actual explanation of why it's dumb. Like, uh, did you ever have kids like smoke cigarettes and stuff in the bathroom while you're in school? Uh, I'm sure we did, but there was a courtyard you could smoke pretty discreetly. And if you wanted to, uh, I, I used camel snooze in high school. Oh, so you were already in almost in your final form by that point. You're, you're the snooze guy. Um, I love it. I'll, I'll never apologize for it. I, I was like, I pretty routinely smoked cigarettes in the bathroom and you could get away with it because like, if you smoked quickly and you bailed out, you'd be gone before someone would tell like the the school resource officer. But one time I decided to smoke weed in the bathroom, which oh, is like, idiot. <laughs> yeah, which is like significantly smells significantly more like significantly more strongly than cigarette smoke. And I, I probably wasn't smoking for more than like a minute and a half before the fucking oh, sure. cop busts into the bathroom. You, wow. That, that is truly pretty stupid. Joe. I, mean, it's I a love pretty you. big That's... school. It's a pretty big school, but like, you know, I'm, I'm it's just a pretty big stupid. School by Joe Kasabian. What, what's the, what, what's the possibility that fat fuck will actually be walking down the hallways <laughs> Same with, time no, that I, with no known value <laughs> yeah and i got suspended i got a possession charge uh etc etc you know then i joined the army like an asshole 
No, that was like two years later. Uh, yeah. Well, eventually you did join the army. Factually, yeah, I, that's I had true. to finish my probation or I wouldn't be able to enlist. <laughs> <laughs> um, Liam, this is the this is the the, the P zone. Plug your plug your pods. Oh, you, have, yeah. you have you have them. You have you have, have pods them. that you cast. Ten thousand losses. Well, there's your problem. So you right. just screw it sometimes. Um, listen to those shows. If you like this show, uh, consider supporting us on Patreon. You could have gotten this episode early. Um, you have you can get uh, three bonus episodes a month. You get uh, access to our Discord. You get discounts on our store and the hell of a way to die store. Um, uh, if you don't feel like giving money, that's also fine. Leaving a review is free, and we really enjoy seeing them. Good. Please make we sure work- it's good. <laughs> Some of the bad ones are quite funny uh, because you know, we work on this show for, for a long time and we really don't know if you like it or not if we don't get reviews. Um, it makes us feel better about ourselves. Well, uh, and, by, our feelings. and by we, I mean me. Um, and uh, uh, Also, I have a book coming out uh, called The Frontier Corps. You can pre-order it now. Uh, I'm, I don't know any other things I have to plug. Um, that's the 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 series. The next one won't be well. The next series yes, won't have Auschwitz in it. Oh, ooh, yeah. hey, great hey. fucking moral victory for Joe. See how I'm hedging already? As I say, it's not going to be depressing. I had to backpedal and simply worst. say that Auschwitz wasn't going to be in it. They're the worst. <laughs> and everybody, thank I you talk so about much. This show in therapy. Did you know that? <laughs> You're probably not alone in that. Uh, Everybody, thank you so much uh, to Liam's therapist. Thank you so much. And until next time, don't invade Poland.